This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. So John 17, glory, the glory that comes from God, the glory of God, the glory that he's given to us, the glory that we saw them giving to them. The fact of the matter is Jesus, this is the last prayer. I mean, Jim Weidman, I don't know if he's in here right now, he knocked it out of the park. He, he didn't come from a, a background where they did expository teaching, so we're, we're stretching some new muscles in his redneck Alabama muscle group. And is he not the funniest guy? He, I'm telling you, I've known him 30 years. He makes me laugh like, still to this day. It's not like he's, he's not like me where I've got like 10 good singers and I just reuse them over and over and over again. He's got like a thousand of them. I'm like, what? that's hilarious. I've never even heard that. But John 17, Jesus, this is the prayer that I just want to end. Uh, I want to pick up where he left off because we're about to go into John 18, 19, 20, where Jesus' crucifixion is, is happening. But I want you to see that the crucifixion, even though we see it for what it really is, is the suffering, the pain, uh, the angst that Jesus felt, but it's also his way of glorifying God. And so I want, to, I want to just camp for a few minutes on what it means to glorify God, what glory is. It's a word used throughout the entire Bible, but if I were to ask you, what does it mean? I mean, every one of us might have a different answer. We, we sing glory to God, glory to God on the highest. It's Christmas time, glory to God, glory to God. But, but what does it mean? And Jesus in this prayer, he's actually now praying for us. He's prayed for his disciples. And this prayer now, it says he's praying for us, which means that, you know, I mean, Keith, this is a prayer for you. He, he literally prayed this for you, prayed this for me. And it, let's just start with verse 20 and we'll, we'll read to verse 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So not just for the disciples, but the, the, the obedience that they have, those that are now going to believe because of the disciples' message. That's you and me, Connor, that's you. Dude, it was so awesome watching you sing and then watching your little child just look up at you with so much and smiling. That was awesome. I don't know if you guys caught that moment, but that was beautiful. I pray for all those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you, we give you glory. You, the, the purpose, the meaning, the weight, the, the heft of our lives, we put that on you today. Lord, I pray that as we embark in these scriptures today 
that it wouldn't be an academic exercise, that your Holy Spirit is alive. You're here. You're, you're speaking to each of us. Father, would you speak to us individually, corporately? Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters today at Brentwood Baptist. It's a year of transition for them. Mike has been such a faithful leader in this community. Would you, would you be with that family as they're making that transition? And the same with Thompson Station Church as Tom is making his transition and Stone Bridge Bible Church is in transition. There's a lot of transition in this community of, of leaders that have been seasoned and faithful. And I pray that you'll bless those faithful leaders for their faithfulness. They did finish and they didn't fall by the wayside. They are such great examples. And Lord, be with them and their church families as they're stepping into new seasons. And for our church family here, I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> I pray that you would keep us fresh, keep us focused on your mission for us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I got to ask a very serious question. And I need you to be as honest as you just honest. Uh, with me this morning. This is, this is a little embarrassing maybe, so I, I thought about having you all close your eyes and bow your heads, but, but I think this is a courageous room. So here's the question. How many of you saw the Barbie movie this week? <laughs> Hands high. Hands high. Okay, there's more than first service. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I did too. LAUGHTER <laughs> My wife and my daughter and my, my I'll tell you this, my son, he, he owned it pretty good. He is, um, he is very comfortable with his masculinity. At 13 years old, he's the guy that introduced me to Jordan Peterson. So I feel pretty comfortable with where, he, you know what I'm saying, where he's at. But um, he was like 13, dad, 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 you got to see this video. You watch this guy. He just owned him. He just owned him. Anyway, um, but we went to see the Barbie movie. And I left a little... Um, confused. And, and I'm going to explain it a little bit. And look, I, I know the spoiler alert thing, so I'm not going to, I don't know, I'm not trying to spoil anything. Um, but I think that movie was kind of spoiled from the moment it started. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm a dude, so I was trying to get it. But I was confused because there was a message that was in that movie that is a message that is in actually a lot of movies. And I want to show you today how, whether it's Oppenheimer, whether it's Barbie, right? Or, or whether it's the New York Times op-ed section, that there's one quest, that there's actually this, the quest that's underlying the quest. And I want to show you that it actually connects to glory. A, a, a word that's Christianese, a word that we have said over the years, uh, uh, glory to God in the highest and glory. It, it's almost the same as if, Shannon, would you join me on stage? I'd like to be seen in public with you. Get on video because I want them to see that. Uh, by the way, if you're watching online, thank you. I'm supposed to say that already. If I say to Shannon, uh, hugs to Shannon, hugs to Shannon, uh, hug Shannon, hug Shannon, hug Shannon, that's patently ridiculous, right? Because there's a verb involved in this. So when I say hugs to Shannon, it doesn't do me any good unless I'm actually hugging Shannon. <laughs> There's more where that came from. <laughs> Later, baby. <laughs> um, but you, you, wow, she made me blush. <laughs> 
Might need to change the camera a little bit to take off the, the redness on my face. Um, there's a verb involved with a hug. There's a verb involved in glory. And before we leave here today, what I'm hoping is that you understand the noun of what the noun of glory is, and also the, the verb glorify, what the verb of it is as well. And we're going to do that first just by looking at the words of Jesus in these few verses. He kind of sums it up pretty doggone perfectly when he says, uh, verses 20 through 23, it's, it's about receiving his glory. He has said this, that my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, right? That's us that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. But listen to this, verse 22. This is, I mean, these are shouting words. I have given them, given you the glory, John Paxson, I've given you the glory that is in me. He's given that to us. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The glory that Jesus had in him, he's given to you. Now let's figure out, let's define what glory is. The Hebrew Bible, I love having friends that are now retired who are veteran theologian pastors because they got nothing else to do. So I emailed Michael Easley yesterday. I'm like, I'm sure you're bored sitting on the porch, uh, recently retired. Help me really grasp the meaning of the word glory. And of course, he sends me like five pages that I'm like, I can't, I, don't, I can't do that. But, but in those five pages... He's confirming that the word glory in the Hebrew Bible is the word kavod, K-A-V-O-D. And it means weight, heft. It also means importance, like primary importance, weight. It's actually the only word I know of that we have in the English language that that is similar, that actually carries the word of of weight and, uh, and, and importance is the word matter, right? So this... This uh, stool has matter. There's substance to it. There's a weight to it because there's matter. And it matters because if I don't have it and I do this, I'm going to fall on my rear end on the floor. So it's important and there is weight to it. That is the closest that I can in my little pea brain describe to you the word glory. There is a weight, a heft, an importance to it. So when we are ascribing glory to God, what we are ascribing to him is the weight, the heft, the importance, the the, the sheer magnitude of who he is and what he has done. The, The thing that happened in the Barbie movie. I'll give you a little Barbenheimer. Both of these movies had something underlying in common with them. Both of them were grasping for glory. In the Barbie film, young women, and maybe some of you in this room, maybe some of you guys who weren't courageous enough to raise your hands. God knows. Um, 
women were crying at this film when, I don't know, Barbie number 10, I can't, they kind of, to be clear, I actually didn't play with Barbies. Can I just say that? So I don't, I didn't, thank God, right? My poor, rest my mother's soul in heaven. She, she had four boys. We didn't have a Barbie. If there would have been one, we would have decapitated it and shot it. And, you know, we were, we, we were, it would have been bad. But, but in the, this film, there's, there's this moment where she's talking about how hard it is to be a mom. Amber, I, th- I thought a little bit about you because you're in Africa, you're away from your two children, and you feel this longing and this pain, and, and I don't know if you f- f- guilt because I'm not with them. And you know how kids are, man, they're the best at making you feel guilty. Aren't they? They know those buttons. So, but, but on the other hand, there's this desire to be to, to be something, to make an impact to. I know we've experienced that in our home. Shannon had this desire to be, and, and, and by the way, if you've walked into this room and you ever felt like, man, this building, give me a hug. That's because of Shannon's design skills. Like the, there's that desire, and then there's this other desire to be the mom of the children, and it feels like I can't do both. So when she's America Ferrari, am I saying her name right? Ferrara, Ferrari, uh, that one. When she was talking about the the angst of being a woman and and women were crying because everybody felt it in their souls. And what she was describing in detail, you know what, let's let's do this. You've got your, because it's Genesis, it's easy to find. Go to the book of Genesis chapter three. If this was Habakkuk, I probably would just read it. Do you know what I mean? Be thankful when the the pastor says Genesis. I want to show you that, that I want to show you something in this. this and I'm going to get to the Oppenheimer part. Because one of them, by the way, the Barbie thing was from a female perspective. And then the Oppenheimer thing is actually a very interesting male perspective. But look at what it says here. In, this is after the fall. And God looks, he's, he's already cursing uh, Satan. And he's saying to the, to the female now, verse 16. I'm just going to go to the very end of that one. Because painful in child labor your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Your desire, now that the Hebrew language there is so uh, complex. It isn't that she desires him like, oh man, he's hot. It's not that. She desires his place. And what she desires and the reason she desires it is because up until this moment, there was, when, when it's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, I know that it's, it's beautiful, it makes a good wedding song, but it's a truism of how life was meant to be. Nobody knew where Adam started and Eve stopped. It's why Eve still did not have a name. Not because she was less important, but because she was part of him. He was part of her, flesh of my flesh bone of my bone. And sin, sin does what sin does. It separated them, separated them from God, separated them from each other. And so the idea here is that she will desire his place, him, because she doesn't fit anywhere anymore. She she didn't fit. That whole you complete me thing, the Tom Cruise, it sounds great, but it's not true. It, it, it's, like, um, it's like a bike tire with a leak in it. it you can fill it up, but it's going to leak out. 
with it because it won't sustain it. So she didn't have a place. So when you hear Barbie and, 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 and that feeling maybe that you got from, from that if you're a female was in, in the deepest part of your soul, you know that we live east of Eden. We're in the fallen world. And one day, we won't be here forever. We're gonna be in the Revelation 22 world. But between Genesis 3 and Revelation 22, part of the curse and the fallen nature of man and woman is this. Now, on the other hand, you've got Oppenheimer. And when I was more fascinated with this, I actually have not seen this film yet, but I've read the book. You know, no surprise, right? I've read, I remember reading an essay from him from like 1948, right after the bomb, and this was this essay of him angsting over what he had done. And even the angst of, like, I, I did this because we were trying to defeat the German, the Nazi machine, if we didn't, they would have. It was like this impossible situation. And one of the things he said over the years, this is from an Atlantic piece a few years later, was that Oppenheimer would later say that through the bomb, listen to this, physicists had come to know sin. Having plucked a dangerous fruit from the tree of knowledge, they consigned themselves and all of humanity to a fallen world tormented by the constant possibility of self-extinction. In the war's immediate aftermath, Oppenheimer consoled or perhaps deceived himself in that his invention's apocalyptic potential could and would be contained in part through his efforts. Obviously, that didn't work. What you see in Oppenheimer is the fall and the effect of the fall on man. Just a, a couple verses later, the curse on man is verse 19. By the sweat of your brow, actually, I'm going to read the ones right before that. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. And it will produce thorns and thistles from you, for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Oppenheimer's work, which is the work, I grew up in a farming community, and you can bust your butt all day long, and months at a time, and you are at the complete mercy of the world as to how your crops are gonna turn out. You can work hard to perfect, you can work hard to do the best job you know how, and still, there's the law of unintended consequences because the ground is cursed and it will produce thorns and thistles alongside the fruit. So what Oppenheimer is saying by saying we discovered sin, what he's saying at the core of it all is that we have created something that there is good that saved us and it's bad and it's cursed us and that's the Genesis 3 world. We need a savior. Interestingly enough, Eve's curse, Eve's experience in that is, is, uh, is defined by fear, which in the Barbie movie, I'm afraid, I'm thinking of dying now, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid, fear, 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 fear was throughout the Barbie movie. On the other hand, Oppenheimer, and I'm assuming for those of you that have seen this, I know this was in the novel, that what Adam's experience was wasn't about fear, Adam's experience was about shame. And what is Oppenheimer clearly describing here? Shame. 
I did this. I am so ashamed. I have done something that is going to destroy the world. I am so ashamed. The answer, so here's what I think was good about these films. Suddenly, I'm Siskel and Ebert. John 3.16. Genesis 3.16 is the problem. They did, both films did an incredible job of describing the problem, right? The problem inside of of the feminine experience is that the place isn't there and I'm constantly fighting to try to find a place in this world. The Oppenheimer is about shame and I'm feeling this shame. But Genesis 3, so that's the problem. Now they define the, actually, as far as I know, Oppenheimer didn't give us a solution other than, well, that was depressing. Barbie's solution was destroy all men. Okay? Neither of these are really great solutions. We were sitting by a bull elephant in uh, Uganda, um, and I had tipped our driver uh, a little bit and said, hey, if you can get us a little closer, I, there's more where this came from. And, um, and all I could think when this bull elephant was staring me down, getting ready to charge and kill us all, uh, the driver, he shuts the car off and he looks over and he whispers, everybody sits very, very still. He goes, and these are exact words, if you're thinking of running, that is not the solution. (laughs) I'm like, well, what's the solution? (laughs) Hope is not a strategy. (laughs) Fortunately, the bull elephant got bored with us. But listen to what John 3.16 says. So Genesis 3.16, that's the problem. Okay? Barbie Oppenheimer did not give us a solution. Here is the solution. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've already believed, have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict he goes on to say. My point is, is this, don't let the world teach you theology. The world will teach us that there's no way out of this. The world will teach us that to overthrow this or critical theory, whatever. It's not a race problem. It's not a sexism problem. It's not a shame. It's a sin problem. And I'm begging us as followers of Jesus, let's get the John 3.16 part right. Because that's where unity comes from. That's what he goes back to with the glory that I've given you. And the idea, oh my gosh, it's 12.15. Well, guess what just became a two-parter? That's an old trick that another old pastor taught me. He's like, don't try to get it all finished. You just got a two-part sermon. So here we go. We got two parts. The glory that he gave you is the answer to all of that. Because what does, at one point, Barbie's talking about this. I want to be the creator, not the created. I want to be the one that comes up with the idea is not the idea. But what Jesus is saying here is that the glory that, listen, the glory God gave me, Jesus, I've given to them, which does now make us creators. It makes us designed who now make designs, who do design. But the glory that, reason that's in us is because Jesus transferred it to us. And the way he transferred it to us is through the cross. 
There's a moment where he's talking about the hour, my hour has come, glorify me. And in the book of John, that word, the hour, the hour, the hour is used over and over and over and over again. And it is used in one reference and one reference only, and that is the time of his death. The glory that he gave, that he now has given to us. And here's how we know that that glory is transferred to us. He, 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 and I've actually thought this over the years, maybe I'm demented or not too nihilistic, but it's like, God, why didn't you at some point, because you know what, if he just snapped his fingers right now, we could all be gone and none of us would even know we were ever here. Why did he not do that? Because he loves you that much. This trinity, the God, the Son, the Holy Spirit that existed together, loving each other, glorifying each other, they didn't need you or me to be more happy. They did it to share the happiness with us. They didn't need it because they needed to be loved. They did it so they could share the love with us. So the glory, the weight, the importance of you now is that God loved you. God loved the world so much he sent his only begotten Son If you have ever thought, man, what is my justification for existence, especially if you've ever struggled with with thoughts of ending your life, and I beg you, if you're thinking that, get help, but if you've thought of that, know that the only eyes in the universe that matter looked on you and said, you're worth the death of his son? And you're like, I can't even justify I'm here. God justified you being here. By sending his only son. I love you that much that I've sent him. That's the glory that he is now giving to you. Not your glory, but his glory. The dangerous ideology in our culture is that we can get our glory from inside of us. I can figure out how to get my own glory and make my own value. And man, that is crushing us. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to give you your purpose, your meaning, your weight, your heft, your, import, your glory. I'm going to give that from outside in, not from inside out. And a glory that comes from the outside, from the God of the universe, is a glory that can sustain us in the most horrific of times, in the best and the worst of times. The glory that I have given you God has given me, now I have given you. And we're gonna just have to end it with that. Know that there is a message in this world that wants us to find our glory inside of us. There's a message coming. And look, we've got filmmakers in this room, people that have worked in Hollywood. They are preaching to you, not these, anyway. But they sit down in rooms and try to figure out what message they wanna preach to you. There's a reason why the word patriarchy was used like a thousand times in that film. Again, identifying a problem, identifying a problem, just giving a terrible solution. The solution is John 3.16, not Genesis 3.16. Stand to your feet. We'll come back next week and figure out the rest of glory. (laughs) And by the way, Lafleur will be here next week. I'm going to have him on the podcast this week. We're going to talk about what's going on in Haiti. If you have not read or seen, don't, I mean, none of us are watching legacy media anymore anyway, and smart on you. But even if you did, you wouldn't know that they're right now, Haiti is one of the greatest crises in the history of that nation. And we're going to talk about that and what's happening and how we can be more a part of that uh, on the deeper podcast, wherever you can get podcasts and next Sunday. So father, oh Lord, <laughs> I'm glad you're a better preacher than I am. I pray that, Lord, that the inadequacy of my delivery is overcome by the power of your supernatural spirit. 
Lord, let us walk away from here today at least knowing one thing, that you glorify, you give us the glory that was given to you. So we glorify you. We give all of our weight, all of our importance, all on you. And knowing that you've given it to us, it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to say one thing before you go, because in case you don't make it next week, which like half of you won't, um, it's just the way it goes. Whatever you glorify will transform you. Whatever you give weight to, that transforms you. Okay? If you give weight and heft to what people think about you, that will transform you. You will no longer speak what you think is true because you're being transformed by what other people think of you. You're being transformed into their image, not his. So be very careful what you glorify. We're all going to glorify something. Be very careful what that is because whatever it is will shape you and will mold you. And on that note, I love you and you are dismissed. (laughs) 